I'm heartbroken right now. I don't know what I'm going to do to recover from this. I've just watched the Oklahoma Sooners get beaten down by Texas Christian University. And now I have to go and talk about another quarterback who has been going through some crap. So today's episode is going to be really interesting. You don't want to miss it. I'm here with uh, my friend Eisen Warner, and he's going to talk with us about Miami Dolphins. I've been neglecting to talk about them because I've been waiting to get his uh, take and ask expertise on them. Yes, let's go, Fins. Super excited for uh, being able to be, be on here with Evan Wilson. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm super yeah. excited to break down um, the Dolphins' offense, defense, and the new scheme. Uh, Mike McDaniels is running over there. Really excited to talk about it. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, after we finish talking about the Dolphins, we're going to give our uh, takes for the week on some of the more interesting games lined up uh, on Sunday. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, remember that you can follow us on Twitter at fair underscore catch pod. Uh, if you, uh, you know, shoot us a DM in there, uh, David and I will uh, answer uh, your questions uh, live on the show. It won't actually be live, but you'll get to listen to it. Uh, yeah, cool. That's it. Let's get into it. without even really being able to run as he shoots the moon to the fans here in Green Bay. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. And it's unfortunate that we had that on our air live. That is disgusting by Randy Moss. Well, welcome in, Eisen. Yes, thank you for having me. So give us a timeline of the events of the Dolphins franchise from the offseason to right now. All right. So I was extremely excited this offseason. Mainly, one, a massive offensive line reboost, which was greatly needed after last season. It was terrible. I remember watching the Buffalo Bills game last, the second, second weekend in the NFL season, and our offensive line just got shredded. Tua got sacked early, was taken out from the injury, and then Jacoby Brissett came in and was sacked like six times. It was ridiculous. Worst game. Got annihilated. Horrible. I hated it. Since then, we've gotten a lot better. Our offensive line has received a huge boost. Uh, and then the second one, and probably the biggest uh, biggest reason for uh, preseason hype was the addition of wide receiver Tyreek Hill. For good reason. He's so fast, fast man in the NFL, nicknamed the Cheetah, aptly named. Um, and then he's also just extremely experienced and very good with his hands and route running. Just very good and uh, trips a lot of people up. He forces, forces a lot of pass interference, flags. It's just incredible what he's able to been able to do um, during the preseason and the first couple yeah. of games of this season. Uh, I would like to talk a little bit about kind of comparing the offenses, one from last year and the one from this year. Sure. Last last year, I think, you know, we were getting better, but it's it's pretty forgettable season. I mean, seven losses and then seven wins. It's super interesting, but we just, our offense lacked the kind of uh, poise and consistency that yeah. it really needed. Yeah, it was a developing year for the Dolphins. I mean, one of the things you really need uh, when you're developing a young quarterback like Tua is a, a healthy offensive line to put him behind. You see all the um, really successful quarterbacks have a really good offensive line. Um, I believe the Dolphins 
Lion jumped in rating uh, from the bottom half of the league to top 10. Uh, so they've really... They've really put a lot of money, they've put a lot of effort and emphasis into getting that line trained, so when Tyreek Hill does run down the field like you were talking about and stretch the defense, Tua will have that time to throw the ball. Uh, I think that's a secret to their uh, early season success, as we will see. Yeah, it's really good for Tua to have a very strong offensive line because he is not a scrambler. He's definitely really comfortable in the pocket. I mean, we saw this when he played for Alabama under Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban was more conservative and had a really good offensive yeah. line, so he was able to give Tua a lot of time to pick out his receivers. I thought it was really good. So I really like what Coach Mike McDaniels has been doing with this offensive line and Tua. I think he's got a good thing going here. I'm excited to see how he brings in this Kyle Shanahan-esque offense to Miami. Sure. Uh, what were their additions specifically uh, on the O-line? Connor Williams and Taron Armstead, two of the uh, biggest additions, and they're both on the left side. Connor Williams is that left guard. He was from Dallas, played four seasons there. He's just excellent, excellent movement. He surrendered He surrendered just one sack this season on that left side. Yeah. And um, then we have Taron Armstead, who's three-time pro bowler, just incredible. He's at that left tackle position, and that's the most important part. That side of our offensive line was super weak last year. And it's good that we covered that because Tua is a lefty as a quarterback. Yeah. It's important to uh, protect the side of the throwing arm. Yeah, edge rushers normally uh, target the right side of the ball. So mm-hmm. for a left tackle, uh, that's probably the most important position on the offensive line. Uh, yes. So, yeah, they, they fixed that. With Connor Williams, I honestly don't get why Dallas let him walk. Uh, it, mm. It's part of what... Um, makes me fade Dallas this season is that their offensive line is just bad. We've seen a, a noticeable downgrade. Oh, uh, yes. And we, you know, we saw uh, Dak get, you know, injured because yes. he was taking those yeah, hits. Hit. Yeah. Dangerous for a quarterback to do that. So super happy that our offensive line got rebooted, and I think it shows. Um, and, of course, Tyreek Hill we've already talked about. Yeah. So let's get into the kind of this timetable this season. I've been – um. Dolphins football has been interesting this season. It's been extremely fun to watch and then absolutely painful to watch in others in other games. The Patriots-Dolphins. I think it was kind of an average game. Tua did well choosing his targets. Tyreek Hill got 94 yards with eight receptions. Yeah. It was just good. And then, of course, Waddle with that great touchdown, <laughs> burning all three of those safeties. Yeah, we really saw Waddle take a take a step here as really establishing himself alongside Tyreek as a one-two punch. Uh, we, the Dolphins also benefited from the Patriots' offense just being lethargic and bad. Yes, because they have no offensive coordinator. Mac Jones is kind of broken right now, mm-hmm. uh, and we saw the offensive line for the Patriots also uh, is pretty beat up at this point. So they had a lot of trouble dealing with the Miami Dolphins' defense, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did. We're very. Uh, I was very happy with the way we handled the run game, which I'll also be talking about a lot. We stuffed Damian Harris for just 48 yards the whole game, no touchdowns. It's great. Um, so very impressed there. That's not even the coolest part of the whole season, though. Oh no, this next game, week two, was absolutely crazy and proved to me that the Dolphins may be on to something this year. A comeback win over the Baltimore Ravens, arguably one of the most explosive teams offensively in the NFL right now, with Lamar Jackson, 
Mark Andrews, and Rashad Bateman is just wow. Comeback win 42-38. Uh, I, I love watching this game. It was oh, yes. absolutely incredible. I, I remember going into halftime being like, oh my gosh, the same old Dolphins. Just being kind of defeatist. And then I came back and watched Tua mount this incredible comeback. Just he was accurate. He was pushing. He took the big shots he needed to without being risky. I mean, two long, deep balls to Tyree Kill. And then, of yeah. course, that finishing drive with Waddle. Just impressive the way he was able to keep his cool and just deliver those huge punches. He threw for 469 yards, six touchdowns. That is Unreal. incredible. Unreal. Absolutely amazing. Compared to Lamar Jackson, who only threw for 119 yards and one touchdown. Those four, four touchdowns came in the fourth quarter, which That's is insane. just... I, I've, never, I've never seen uh, a quarterback that has struggled with the deep ball as much as Tua has just explode uh, onto the scene and throw for that many yards mm-hmm. and that many touchdowns in the fourth quarter. A lot of people have questioned whether it was a Ravens collapse or a Dolphins comeback, but I think it was a mix of both yes. because we saw Waddle and, and Tyreek on display, uh, both getting uh, two touchdowns each. Yes, they are absolutely showing how dangerous they could be as a pair because you can't just disregard one of them. You have to cover them, and Baltimore safeties just kind of fell apart with Hill causing a lot of disruption by his speed and with the separation, and that allows Waddle to do what he's best at, which is run his routes extremely well and catch that ball the third onto week three yeah. week three this is what i described described as the hump every great sports team has to go through this at some point um i will use an example of michael jordan back in the day versus the detroit pistons the bad boy pistons for the first couple years in the league jordan couldn't really get past them they knew how to shut his they knew how to take away his air they just bashed him up Year after year, two years they beat him. Well, that third, the third year he went against them in the finals, he took them by surprise, adjusted, started sharing the ball, and got over that hump and was able to win and become, in the Bulls as a franchise, were able to establish himself as one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. Hey, you know you're a Dolphins fan when you compare Tua to Michael Jordan. <laughs> so. Totally different areas of sport. However, getting over that hump and beating Buffalo was incredibly morale. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to do it just goes to show that the Miami Dolphins are a credible football team now. I don't think they beat the Bills every time, for sure. By a long shot, Josh Allen is just too explosive. Yeah, it was really uh, dependent on some Bills uh, mm-hmm. offensive lack. Uh, the, the Miami defense played great that game. Oh, yes. Uh, but you will not stop the Bills every single game like that. Being able to do it once really can inspire your team, especially with some of the trials that... Uh, that the Miami team went through during that game. But we'll get to that in a minute. On to four. Week four uh, was a heartbreak, in my opinion. Uh, I was, it was so sad to watch. I, I was very excited for this game. Two of them, two very explosive offenses going head-to-head. Two great quarterbacks, uh, Intua and Joe Burrow, going at it. Um, along with great receivers like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mar Chase, and E. Higgins. Very excited for this game. However, due to uh, reasons and injury, it just did not turn out the way I would have liked. I will say, all credit to the Dolphins' defense. I'm going to talk about them a little bit here. They played extremely hard in the Miami Heat against the Buffalo Bills, a top-five NFL offense, and stopped them. Then they had to go play the Bengals and a very explosive team 
right after that on a short week after playing in the heat. It was just yeah. is a lot. The Bengals were looking for a way to uh, redeem their season after a very uh, tough two weeks going 0-2. I even threatened to never speak about them on the podcast if they lost to the Jets. (laughs) Thankfully, uh, they did beat the Jets in Week 3, so I am talking about them again here uh, in uh, Week 4, Thursday night. But when you see what happened to the Dolphins' side of the ball, it makes you question whether the Bengals would have won that game had uh, the quarterback of the Dolphins played all four quarters. Yes, um, just looking at the stats, uh, the Dolphins had 60 total plays, while the Bengals had 63 total plays. Dolphins had 378 yards, as opposed to the Bengals, 371 yards. Mm, Even split. Tied with penalties, both had six penalties over. The only problem with the Dolphins is we turned over the ball twice and weren't able to convert on third downs, but largely that's because Tua as we'll talk about in a minute, wasn't in the game. Yeah, it was Teddy was... Bridgewater trying to force it late. He threw it right to the safety. Yeah, I, I will say shout out to Teddy Bridgewater. He did a really good job coming in, keeping a level head, scored that touchdown drive. And I feel like he just did a good job leading a pretty stricken team without their captain. And so I'm excited to see what he'll do next. And obviously I hope that Tua will have a very quick recovery and that... Yeah. The, um, if needs be, the Dolphins take their time with him because we do not want him getting banged up. The second half was so depressing. It honestly, it very was. It, it really, it really was. I was. It was just hard. But as a true fan, I've been a Dolphins fan for five years. I've watched them through a lot of bad stuff. So I'm excited and hopeful for this season. And I really hope that Tua is able to recover. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Yes. All right. During the Bills game, he was pushed down after a great pass to Jalen Waddle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he came down really, really hard on the turf, hit his, hit his head really, really hard. Um, I could see, you could see the whiplash effect. Yeah. Um, so at first we were like, oh no, it's concussion. But oddly, he cleared pro- concussion protocol. Yeah, it, I've, I saw this last, uh, last two years ago with uh, Patrick Mahomes in the division round against the Browns. Mm. Um, he went down, he got up, and then he stumbled, right? And you saw him, he saw kind of his knees buckle, uh, his head kind of like be loosey-goosey a little bit, and he like, mm-hmm. he fell into a teammate. So they, they took him off the field, and I saw the exact same thing with Tua. So everybody thought, yeah, this guy's got a concussion. Uh, but like Eisen said, he came back in the... The um third the third quarter uh, after the halftime, so it was about thirty minutes of real time uh, between uh, Tua playing uh, that final snap before he was injured, and then him coming back at the start of the half. You saw, um, did you did we see Bridgewater at all in in that game? He threw. He went for one uh one one set of downs. One yeah like one third, drive. It was a third and out. Gotcha. Yeah. So we saw that uh, he came back. And then he led the Dolphins to survive the Bills in that game. It was a great game. Tua played really well after that. So we were all we were all kind of like, okay, well, it, some people want to trust the Miami medical staff. Some people want to. Uh, some people want to doubt. Uh, the NFL Players Association um, opened an investigation with the doctor who cleared Tua, mm-hmm. uh, and we got the results of that investigation back. Uh, about an hour ago, uh, but when we when we were watching the game live, 
we were all just kind of really confused and that that narrative kind of carried up until week four the thursday night game against the bengals uh Tua did start uh mike mcdaniel defended his uh actions um with letting Tua practice fully the entire week because apparently the injury that Tua suffered uh, last week against the Bills was a back injury and not a head injury, mm-hmm. says the doctor who gle- who cleared him. So that leads us to week four. All right, Bengals. Uh, Tua opened up with a pretty impressive drive. Unfortunately, didn't land in a touchdown. I believe, yes, no, it didn't. He went to chase Edmonds, and Edmonds dropped it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it was a good pass. I mean, Tua played very well. It was accurate. Uh, and, of course, that second drive he was in, he tried, I think he... He forced the ball a little bit too much during that game to Tyreek Hill. He had to throw it a little earlier, let loose, and that's how the reception. Yeah, Levon Bell with those two interceptions really, uh, always depressing. But I mean, you can't really blame him. He is a, he's a great safety. Or, um, yeah, it was a great it was a great game up to the yeah up to that, at point. that up to that point. And then Tupu number sixty eight defensive tackle wrecked Tua. Absolutely wrecked him. I mean, it was a good, clean tackle, excellent sack by him. But then, I I just got so scared because Tua went down and his fingers just went a lot. Everything locked up. He just locked. His fingers yeah. were all crooked. I thought yeah. maybe he'd broken his hand, and they showed the replay. I'm like, nope. Yeah. It's got to be either a spine or neck injury because of the way he's holding that. It looked like it didn't look like a seizure. It just looked like one of those cramps you get. It's a neurological cramp. And he he didn't move. He, the enti- he was the not entire moving. Time. I mean, they called the doctor. The whole staff went out. Yeah. And we're looking at him. He was not moving. I I we they cut to a commercial break. Um, and then they had Tua laying on the ground, and the whole the whole Miami roster. Uh, just out there was on, the on in a semicircle around him. It was it was one of the I've never really seen that before. It was it was sobering, but then comforting to see how the Miami Dolphins, how their team atmosphere has changed. I mean, two as a person, and he's got he's got a lot, you know an outside life outside of football. Yeah. He's got family. His parents were there at the game actually, and mm-hmm. you just showed it. Just shows how um, concerned the Miami Dolphins organization was. With the lives of their players, and yeah. um, it was comforting to see that the whole team just really, really cared about their captain, and I think that speaks for Tua's leadership out there on the team. A lot of people have doubted him, and I feel like uh, now with Mike McDaniel's kind of being, hey, Tua's our guy, and um, being yeah. very affirmative, really boosted uh, Tua's confidence, and a lot of the te- his teammates' confidence, and I feel like that is creating, Mike McDaniel's is creating a very good team environment. Uh, one where Tua and his receivers, offensive line, defense will be able to succeed. Yeah, so people it was good to see. people really do care about Tua. Uh, Mike McDaniel, uh, he got to you know he got to talk to Tua. At, Tua wasn't conscious uh, while he was on the field, but uh, McDaniel did stay by him up until the very moment when he got carted off, uh, or got uh, not carted off, but taken off in a stretcher. Uh, so it was nice to see that because. Uh, McDaniel did not get a chance to talk to Tua uh, before he was taken back in the week before. Um, so yeah, after that, the the all the energy in the in the stadium kind of shifted. Uh, the crowd was quieter. Uh, the yeah. announcers more were more uh, somber, somber, and the halftime uh, show was just so depressing. It was all about Tua and how you know how he was. Um, I really am kind of upset at uh, Amazon for they replayed his injury 
about six times <laughs> right after it happened, and people don't need to see that because that might have been someone who uh, suffered uh, permanent paralysis, and I don't think people need to see that all the time. So exactly, uh, you know, show it a cup, show it like once or twice. Make sure you know pe- the people who did want to see it, you know, know what happened, and then stop because it made it very. It made it more unpleasant than it had to be. It was so sad to see, but I really did enjoy... I really... Not enjoy. I really appreciated uh, the Bengals fans and the Dolphins fans in the stadium chanting, Tua, Tua, Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. It was a cool cool. moment. And then, of course, after the victory, Joe Burrow was uh, very like, Hey, I've played against this guy in college. We've had great games against each other. I really hope he gets gets healed up quickly. And I, I thought there was a good team sportsmanship from both sides. Yeah. Just, um... So it was good, but then after that, I mean, the rest of the game was just dredge. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, he played as well as probably a backup who was thrust into the position uh, mm-hmm. could play, but he just couldn't pull it out at the end. They had a chance to uh, drive down and yeah, uh, and, just... and win the game, but he threw a late interception, and that, and that was really it. pretty much did it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was unfortunate. I was. Yeah, it was. It was one yeah. of those crushing games, but. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Bridgewater did well, and I mean, the Miami Dolphins didn't practice almost at all yeah. that week because it was a short yeah. week. They really needed to rest their defense, and so um, I don't blame Bridgewater with practice in this long week for recovery. They'll yeah. come back, spank the Jets, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I think that the 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 events that, uh, that happened after uh, the actual game is really really interesting as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So after the game, we saw an hour ago the independent doctor who had cleared Tua uh, that previous week. He was fired by the NFL Players Association for um, missing multiple signs of a concussion uh, and for making multiple mistakes. Uh, so that was really interesting and show it showing that. Uh, Everything that happened the week before was not all kosher and that Tua should not have been out on that field um, because the, the the hit on Tua that week against the Bengals was a rough hit, but it shouldn't have caused that kind of response. I think it might have been compounded by what happened last At week and his, game, yes. yeah, his, the, the stress on his head and his spine and his brain. Uh, so I think all that came together. So that leads us to asking the question, what happens to the Dolphins here? We've seen the highlights of week two. We've seen the grittiness of week three uh, against the Bills. We've seen, you know, the the barely losing uh, to a really good team in the Bengals in week four. So we've seen all that. But what is going to happen now with Tua? So um, I'll say I'll look at the, I'm going to look at the offense and the defense and what we got going on. Um, I like I really like. I'm going to reiterate this. I really like Coach Mike McDaniel said about Tua. All right, he is a person we are primarily concerned with his health and safety. We are going to basically there. Uh, I don't have it. He's just like I don't have a timetable yet. That's what a coach should say. I do, we don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. And um, it's just a real conservative, uh, friendly approach in this whole issue because really you want to protect your quarterback, and that's one really great way to do it. You don't want to force it. You know, Tua is known for trying to – he always wants to be out the field, get get out there, go get him. That's why his, his players respect him so much. But there's a point when you need to 
take it down a notch and heal and rest for yourself. Let's talk about Dolphins offense. Teddy Bridgewater is nine years in the league, is more than capable of leading a good Miami Dolphins offense. I feel like he should probably play more conservative. Just, you know, we saw when he tries to force that deep ball, it's hard because interceptions yep. will be made and yep. you have a good enough offense to be able to create plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um the next three games uh, that they play are the Jets, the Vikings, and the Steelers. All of them have decent pass defenses, but their run defense is worse. Right. So it, they will be able to run the ball. It's just a matter of... Uh, figuring out what works best what kind yeah. of run schemes i think i think we'll also see the emergence of one dominant back because we saw um edmonds he played a lot of the early game and mm-hmm. then you saw Mostert play a lot of the late game that yes. was just how kind of how it shook out we'll see i'm glad that they have two kind of stable options because they can have big games i mean uh buffalo bills game chase edmonds scored both touchdowns and did a very good job being yeah. consistent in running the football um, whereas Mostert was a little slower in that game, but then of course Mostert showed out better in versus the Bengals. So I'm just excited to see where that kind of run game will um, will go. And I think uh, with Bridgewater playing in Denver last year and Denver's run game being as plausible, mm-hmm. um, I think Bridgewater will be able to use that to his advantage and then you know use Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle when it counts and make those big plays. Yeah, all around. Super pleased defense and offense and i think they can take this far over the next uh this mid-season i'd say cool yeah so uh miami fans there is hope there is, there hope. is hope uh hang in there uh you know we'll be back uh to to check up on the dolphins occasionally uh throughout the course of this season so Thank you to Eisen for giving us his expertise there. Oh, yes. And uh, we'll be back with some game predictions. Go Fins! After this. Uh-oh. And they're going to snap it. And it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles. Touchdown. And watch all the action. Foles is going to sneak over here. Direct snap. Everybody comes up. And here we go. What a play call by Doug Peterson. This play call has a chance to be remembered as one of the all-time greats just going for it. And to- All right. Um, actually, probably one of the most exciting games this week uh, between two shootout teams, Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens. What do you think? What can we expect from this game? You have some base predictions on offense, defense. Yeah. yeah, so I think that the Bills are going to bounce back from their loss to Miami uh, last week. What you're really going to want to watch for here is the Ravens uh, the Ravens defense that has not held up in the secondary. We need to see if uh, Stephon Diggs will burn them because if the Ravens can shut down that secondary, that will mean that Josh Allen has to run the ball because they don't also have they also don't mm-hmm. have a run game. Their only run game is Josh Allen, so we yes. they have to make sure that Buffalo can play this that Buffalo can play the short game. Take away the top the over the top uh, uh, volume that Buffalo has always been able to get, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So I'm going to pick Buffalo to win, uh, probably twenty eight twenty one. That's my prediction for that game. I have a quick question about this Buffalo Bills Ravens game. Sure, Gabe Davis. 
Is he out? What is, there's some injury status with the Buffalo Bills. They've lost their best safety. Yeah. Um, Gabe Davis, uh, McKenzie. I'm not sure he went down with an injury in the Dol- with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you expect yeah. their offense to kind of work with some in- key injuries? And then their top safety. Do they have an answer for Bateman and Mark Andrews? By the way, Mark Andrews has been absolutely incredible. How, how yeah. do you think they'll answer that? Yeah, so I'm not. I'm really not worried about Lamar Jackson uh, and the uh, Baltimore offense. He's been playing just lights out. He might be the MVP if he keeps up this mm-hmm. rate. Uh, so if he does great, Mark Andrews is going to do great. That's just how it works. Rashad Bateman is their over-the-top guy. Uh, I think that they may be able to break off a few of those like deep shots. But I, I don't know. It's not nearly as much uh, volume, deep volume that, that Buffalo is getting. In terms of Buffalo's injuries, McKenzie's really a non-factor when it comes to Buffalo's efficiency. Uh, normally, with those smaller, uh, with those smaller role players, you see, um, uh, you see, kind of like a slowing down and more reliant on the big plays. But I think mm-hmm. that Josh Allen can make it work with the receivers that he's got. In mm-hmm. terms of Gabe Davis, he's kind of the player that's more of the red zone threat that you throw to in the end zone. Like he has, you know, he doesn't have any catches, but when he does, they're high value touchdown targets. Mm -hmm. Uh, So his injury, even if he is kind of limited in the game, they will only throw him, uh, you know, high value targets Mm -hmm. anyway. So it doesn't really matter if his snap count is, you know, uh, on a, on a timer, uh, if you will. All right, on to the next game. Oh, yes. Okay, another great matchup. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, leader of the AFC South. Yeah. I cannot believe it. They've been so bad for years. But they're finally making a comeback. I'm super excited to see another Florida team kind of kick and tail. Um, And then here's the catch, though. They're going against, uh, what, the number three ranked offense right now? That's crazy. Philadelphia Eagles, who also have not been very good as... I mean, they've been all right. They made they made it to the Super Bowl a while back. Because, Fluke, but bad. <laughs> Nick Foles sucks. We're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. sure. Tell, tell that to the Patriots who lost. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jalen Hurts has been on fire. There you go. Absolutely crazy. Devontae Smith has been running amok. What do we have to say about this matchup? Who do all you right. think is going to win? So I've seen enough of Jalen Hurts to know the OU boy. I watched him full year. It was great. I saw him play in person. He's awesome. he's he's a really good player. Um, his efficiency is not as high as some of the really elite quarterbacks, which is why I think he's not going to keep up this pace. Um, with that being said, uh, I think that AJ Brown is a great number one receiver for him, and it really unlocks the mm. top. Uh, a lot of the running quarterbacks don't really have that uh, kind of deep threat, so you've got Devonte Smith and AJ Brown there, really good one-two punch, kind of uh, you know. I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than Tua, sorry. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, it's the same kind of receiving core. Uh, really solid tight ends, all that. I think they've got the makings of a great offense. I doubt Jalen Hurts' uh, uh, like I said, his efficiency, uh, just long-term. So he will have those slumps. We haven't seen it yet, but I've watched enough of him to know that it will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think it happens against... This Jacksonville front. Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and Devin Lloyd. Great front seven. Just gonna 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 wreck uh uh Philadelphia for this game. Uh I think that the that the Jacks will pull off this upset. Jack's been really hot lately. 
Uh, I really think that the Eagles have been overplaying their hand uh, as an elite team. I know that they're the the top, the tip top of many uh, tier lists that have been made uh, over the past week. So I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is just going to use Christian Kirk to mm. the greatest extent. I don't think Darius Slay is going to have that much of an impact on the Eagles defense as he has had. Uh, so I think that the Jags are going to win. Um, let's see. I, I think it won't be as high scoring as we think. I don't think 24 to 17 Jags. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, that's, that's an interesting, uh, pick. I'm, I'm going with the Eagles myself, but maybe because I'm just an experience. I think it'll be definitely a good game. I can't wait to watch these Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Hopefully upset the Eagles. It's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. Sure. All right. Next game. Next game. All right, so I know you're a Carolina Panthers fan. Um, hopefully Sadly. looking for a... Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, sometimes you just got to stick with your team and bear it out. Yep. It's part of, it's part of what makes football great is you see teams that suffer for a long time come to, come to greatness like the Bengals did last year. Um, so, yeah, Carolina Panthers, do you think they bounce back against the Arizona Cardinals? Ooh, so these... Oh, man, I was going to go see this game actually, uh, because these are two former Oklahoma Sooner quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I think they're both going through slumps right now. Uh, The Cardinals' offense was supposed to be better than it is right now. Uh, I think that they're missing uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. Uh, I think that when you have Rondale Moore as the number one receiver, it limits you in the downfield passing game. Uh, And when James Conner is suffering through some injury like he has been at the beginning of the season, it can also uh, you know, limit your ability to be efficient. So it's the, this entire offense is dependent on Kyler Murray's ability to play well. Mm. Uh, if he does not play well, if he cannot scramble and make magic happen, it's not going to turn out well for the Cardinals in this game. I think that the Carolina offense is going to bounce back because they're finally going to give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. If he plays... Mm-hmm. That's the that's that's the thing. It's always the kicker with yep. him. Three three things to watch. Okay, you need to watch McCaffrey. If he plays, great. I think if he plays, I favor the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to win in a low scoring uh, game, probably seventeen fourteen. If he mm-hmm. doesn't play, then it'll be on Kyler Murray to make the, make things happen. Uh, I would watch uh, one wide receiver I like is Greg Dortch. Uh, he's a great mid range receiver. Uh, he's a great compliment to Rondale Moore. Uh, they, those two, have stepped up and have played major roles in this Arizona offense with the absence of a uh, a Christian Kirk, of a DeAndre Hopkins, because mm. both of those guys are not playing right now. Kirk being on the Jaguars and uh, Hopkins being suspended. So when you have those things, when you yes. when you look at it, uh, you know those people need to step up. I watched. Um, uh, Marquise Brown, who also plays for the Car- uh, Cardinals now, mm-hmm. he's an okay receiver. I don't really trust him in big moments. I've seen him, uh, you know, I've seen him choke enough. Uh, in fact, he played with both Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, so he's seen, you know, he's seen a lot. Oh yeah. So then, how do you anticipate the Panthers' defense, who did really well against the Saints, to um, step it up and kind of stop this Murray magic from happening? How do you think Ed Rusher's handling the cornerbacks? 
in those receivers. Yeah. So what you don't have, uh, you don't have a really big deep threat uh, in Arizona right mm-hmm. now, like I talked about. So when you have um, Chris Olave on the Saints last week, the the Panthers had to bottle him up, and I think that they can't. They don't even have that problem now with Arizona. Their front is needs to step up. You mm-hmm. can watch the front as well. That, that'll be a pivotal part. If they can get pressure on Kyler Murray and force him out of the pocket the whole game, make him uncomfortable, then it'll be even more on him. Be even, uh, it'll be even more on Murray to make that Murray mm-hmm. magic happen. All right, well, definitely an exciting game for sure. Cool, yeah. Really looking forward to these games. Wow. Yeah, low scoring, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, these games are going to be really great, but we haven't even gotten to the best one yet, though. <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, an explosive offense. They're coming off a low week with against the Colts, so they're going to be fired up. Um, and then Tampa Bay Bucks, who are also coming off. Um, they they played Green Bay last week, and yeah. So both teams coming off losing weeks. Both very good teams. Two one. What do you think? What are your predictions? So, uh, the biggest thing by far that's going to help Tampa Bay here is that Tom Brady played without his top two receivers, mm. his top three receivers, actually uh, in this uh, past game against the green Bay Packers. Uh, so he, Tom Brady's going to have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones back. Wow. Which is going to be, it'll just light up uh, the crazy. offense. Those receivers are so yeah. talented. Brady's been playing pretty horribly, uh, but the Tampa Bay defense has carried them to two and one. It's mm-hmm. been great to see. They have by far the best run defense in the NFL right now. You've got um, a subpar run run offense with the Kansas City Chiefs. You got uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire who has not stepped up, mm-hmm. and you have Jarrett McKinnon who is is no is a, who's a nobody uh, as the other back who has actually out snapped uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at this point. Yeah. So you've got a pretty weak and divided run room. Mm-hmm. You've got the ability for Tampa. Tampa Bay to uh, stop those lanes. So that will put this game solely on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't believe in the Chiefs defense. You you saw it last week. You mm-hmm. watched Matt Ryan of all of all oh, quarterbacks. Yes. And he didn't even play that well. Yeah, he, he was okay, especially in the final uh, bits of the second half. But really, it was not a great showing for the Chiefs defense. So I don't think they're going... I think that trend is going to continue, especially with just one of the best receiving cores in the league in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones all together mm-hmm. at once finally playing. Uh, I would watch Chris Godwin make sure that he's healthy after his ACL tear Absolutely. last year and another uh, hamstring issue after he played in week two, but he will be back. It'll be great, and I think uh, Tampa Bay is just going to hammer the Chiefs. be pretty high scoring, probably 32-28. Gotcha. Yeah, super excited for that. Um, one question. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of pressure being put on tra- uh, Holmes here. Yeah. But he has Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster. How does he work with you know Smith-Schuster, who's an okay receiver, but nothing compared to what they had in Tyree Kill, and then of course yeah, outstanding play by Travis Kelsey. How do we think that Patrick Mahomes can utilize them to maybe make this game a little harder for Tim? Yeah, so I think that they're really going to lean on the intermediate plays with Kelsey, but I can't say that for certain because Kansas City has continued to defy expectations and bend reality with this kind of patchwork receiving core that they have, Mm. but Mahomes has still just played great. Uh, 
uh, it's been really, uh, really remarkable to see him uh, continue his September dominance. I don't mm. think he's ever, uh, he never loses a game in September. It oh, never yes. happens. So now it's October. We'll see, mm-hmm. but we'll see how uh, hold up on this one. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he's really great early, early season. Uh, I, I think it's midway through the stretch and late. Uh, his mechanics start to f- to fail and wobble a little bit. We've seen that's really his only weakness. Mm-hmm. But for a, a high caliber uh, team like the Bucks, uh, uh, I, I think it'll be. I, I think it'll work. I think both offenses are going to work. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I just don't. I just don't see. Uh, the Kansas City uh, playing complimentary football with the run defense, which is why I'm taking Tampa Bay over. Right, that Kansas makes City. that makes a lot of sense. Tampa Bay's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the Super Bowl matchup like a few years ago. Yeah, this will be this will be the game to watch. It's be interesting. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that's gonna do it uh, for us this time, Eisen. Thank you for coming out here, uh, yeah. doing this show with me for this time. Uh, David will be back. Don't worry. But it was uh, good to get some uh, Dolphins input. So uh, we oh, yeah. value that. Super awesome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the Fair Catch Podcast. You can catch us at Fair underscore Catch Pod on Twitter. You know, talk to us. We'll answer your questions. But yeah, that'll do it for this week. See you guys. Yeah. Good fans. Good fans.